0: Welcome to ThinkBox Radio, news, tips, and stories from America's coolest college maker space. We're coming to you from Sears ThinkBox, the innovation center at the K School of Engineering, the largest innovation center on an American college campus. Our goal is to share the magic that happens here and to inspire your own maker dreams. I'm Robert Smith, your host. Our producer is Alex Zinni, and today our guests are Reese Hamlet and Andrea Norris. They're the two leaders of the Case Robotics team, CWRU Botix, we say Crewbotics here at Case. It may be the largest club at the Case School of Engineering with more than 70 members, many of whom joined rather recently. When Reese was a freshman, there were fewer than 20 members of this club. It's a hot club in a hot field. Reese is a senior majoring in mechanical engineering and the president of the Robotics Club. Reese, welcome to ThinkBox Radio. Glad to be here. Andrea is a junior majoring in electrical engineering and the treasurer of the club. Andrea, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Okay, we're going to start with the robot that they entered in the NASA robotics mining competition, Glenn Reek, and I'm looking at him now, and he looks kind of like a go-kart conveyor belt with a lot going on. Reese, tell us about this robot.
1: Absolutely. So, Glen Reek is a pretty complicated system, and you're definitely, I think, A lot going on is the right word to describe him with. So he's a four-wheeled contraption, um, a four-wheeled mining robotic, fully autonomous robotic mining rover, or autonomous mining rover, rather. Um, So there's several different systems that make up this robot overall. We call them the locomotion system, the excavation system, and the deposition system. Uh, The overall mission of this robot is to collect material in a Martian environment. Um, So dig this material, collect it, store it on board the robot, and then drive back and forth between a lander that it will originally arrive on the planet with, and its mining site, and drop off this material. Uh, so okay,
0: that's the kind of lunar landing look to the robot. Absolutely,
1: hmm. yes. It definitely has that sort of definitely inspirations from various other NASA vehicles and all sorts of pretty much anything we could get our hands on to inspire the design and the the form factor of this robot. Um, so so notable features you see very large aluminum wheels very unlike what you might see on a car four wheels four wheels so that's sort of various inspirations there both from our own heads and from nasa designs this excavation conveyor belt the excavation system has a long chain of buckets on a conveyor belt so that's rotated forwards and then lowered into the soil so each bucket takes a small scoop of the material and then that's brought around and dumped into a storage bin on the robot
0: Okay, okay. And Andrea, what else is cool about uh, Glen Um
2: Well, it's got a, a fun uh, system for all of its cameras and uh, internal sensing. Um, so it's got two cameras, um, one on either side that are up on these poles, so uh, the robot can kind of get uh, more of a 360 field of vision. Um, and then it actually also has, uh, mounted on the front of the robot, um, an old Kinect camera, uh, and that's actually used in some of the robotics um, obstacle detection system. Um, and then over in the back you see there's a, what it is essentially a pullout, like a clear plastic pullout drawer. Um, and that's where we have all of our hardware systems. So we have our onboard computer there, um, all of our motor controllers, um, all of the things we need to control the motors on the robot, uh, control the sensors and just really collect all the data you need to be able to wow. navigate an arena.
0: Okay, so this robot does a lot. Mm-hmm. And the NASA Robotics Mining Competition, is that kind of like the Super Bowl of college robotics?
1: <laughs> I like the analogy. Um, uh, there's maybe some comparisons to there. There's a, there certainly are a lot of college-level robotics competitions, um, but it's one that we're a big fan of. It's an annual competition. It takes place down at the Kennedy Space Senator, uh, Senator center <laughs> down in florida so okay oh cool um and it's a bit it's a fairly big collegiate level competition and you guys placed fourth i think this year
2: that's right yeah this yeah. past fifth year fifth last
0: year so you're getting yep. good so tell us about the competition what's the challenge what did you have to build a robot to do
2: so the challenge for this competition is so your your robot gets placed in this arena that's kind of designed to be like the martian surface um so it's got a lot of this weird sand material and underneath that there's a bunch of gravel. Um, And so uh, what you have to do is your robot has to navigate through an obstacle field of rocks and pits in the arena um, to what's called the digging area. And then you have to mine up uh, some of this gravel underneath the soil um, and then take this back to a deposition bin um, right where you started and dump all of the okay. gravel that you've collected.
0: So it has to move, it has to dig,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it has to move autonomously?
2: So it doesn't have to move autonomously, but, um, but you, you get a lot of points for moving autonomously. Uh. So that's something big that we've been working on for the past couple of years is getting this robot to be able to do all of the things that it needs to do without us controlling it.
1: One question we also get a lot is... Uh, great, NASA's hosting this competition so your robot can dig. Why does NASA care? Why is the scope of this competition sure. important? Um, and what NASA is really looking to in terms of the long term is manned space missions on Mars, um, which is no easy task. With the distance and um, resources required just to get there, there's a lot of arguments for astronauts to spend a longer duration on Mars so they can actually do scientific experiments and actually uh, live in a habitat environment that, of course, though, is easier said than done. And one of the biggest challenges and the most precious resources for any space mission uh, is water. So water to drink. If I was an astronaut, I'd want to have a glass of water. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, conveniently, water contains oxygen, so you can make a breathable atmosphere from water by uh, processing it. And the third huge one is that a major component of rocket fuel um, is hydrazine and oxidizer. So, again, you split up your water, and suddenly you have enough fuel for a return trip. Um, So, especially for a long-haul mission like a manned mission to Mars, um, there's a lot of evidence to points that it's not feasible to just have, to ship everything you there. You know, there's no Amazon on Mars. You know, NASA, (laughs) in other words, NASA would have to fly gallons and gallons and gallons of water. Um, So, instead of this, it turns out there's actually water embedded in the soil on Mars. So, rovers like the ones that we've designed could be sent to Mars years prior to astronauts arriving collect resources, and by, time, by the time the astronauts land on the planet, water would be stockpiled uh, to support their entire mission. Mm-hmm. So NASA is okay. looking for innovative solutions. Sure, they need you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're they looking do. for college students with crazy ideas to okay. come up with a solution. it looks like
0: you had some. Yeah. And Absolutely. In fact, I should point out, we are in the uh, robotics Bay here on the fifth floor of ThinkBox. It's about the size of a double-wide trailer, I'd say. You guys have a larger bay. Mm-hmm. It's got every tool you can imagine, both basic and high-tech. Tell us how you go about building a robot like no one's ever seen
1: before. Sure. I can start this off and I'm sure Andrew will have plenty to add. Um, It's definitely a very interesting process and it's a long process. Um, So, what we say is, you know, the total design process for each one of these robots, we build a new one every year, is just about nine months. Um, So, we'll actually, over the summer, pretty much the moment one of our our robots finishes competition, the planning for the next one begins. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no such... There's no time like the present to begin thinking of new ideas. Um, so we begin over the summer sort of in a planning stage, trying to process what went well the previous year, what didn't. And then when the semester starts, we start together and start designing on a high level what do we want the overall objectives of our robot to be. We follow a process called systems engineering um, that's, that's widely used by engineers, but particularly of note, uh, it's used by NASA engineers very extensively when they design space missions. Um, So NASA encourages that you follow it, and it's something we've taken to heart. Um, So there's a planning phase, and so slowly design gets more and more detailed. We kind of review it in various stages collectively for the entire robot, up until we really have a digital model, a digital CAD model um, of everything we want um, to design on the robot. So everything has been spec'd out, and we think we can see it in a, in a digital, Design state without having any physical components. Okay.
0: Is there like brainstorming going on?
1: Oh,
2: yeah. Through There's the a whole lot process. Yeah. We do a lot of uh, trade studies to kind of uh, see what other people have been doing for robots uh, or problems that might be similar or related to okay. what we need to solve um, and kind of see, like, oh, well, is there anything from these ideas that we can take and use on our own robot? And so that's kind of uh, how we make sure we're not stagnating. We don't want to just keep. Turning out the same robot year after year and so we really try and like do a lot of research to kind of get, bring in these new ideas and then we evaluate them based on how well they're going to help us solve our problem and could what the you give us an are. example
0: of Andrea of, of an idea that someone thought might work and it did and how you kind of I got mean, it to work
2: yeah well I would say um, actually our deposition system, uh, is a really good example of that. Um, and so
0: deposition, what's that? So
2: that's actually that's the system. Um, so when the when the robot is uh, mining, it digs up all of this gravel okay. um, and it dumps it into uh, it looks kind of like a fryer bin that you'd see at a fast food restaurant. It's I made see. out of mesh and it's about it's about that size. right, right. Um, and so that system actually is a passive filtering system. And so that what hap- the way that works is that that mesh, Uh, just allows all of the sand to fall right through. And so we just keep the gravel. Um, And so we looked at a lot of different filtering systems because uh, there's additional weight associated with keeping that uh, sand on board. Um, And so if you can get rid of it, you don't have to carry it back to dump Um, and you don't need it. So why keep Ah. it? Um, And so we looked at a lot of different options. Yeah, we looked at a lot of different options for um, maybe if we would want to vibrate our uh, our bin to try and sift out that sand or uh, if we did want to just carry it with us. And we ultimately came up with this system, which works just very, very effectively, where just the sand just falls right through. There's no critical systems underneath that are going to get hurt by having sand fall on them. Um, and then it just gets uh, winched up with a just a piece of cable um, over to the top where it's kind of tipped into... Um, what the, what's going to be the deposition bin in the competition arena. Very
0: cool, very cool. And Reese, what's your favorite part of the, of the robot?
1: I think my favorite part of the robot is our excavation system. So that's a system that actually mines the material and that does all the physical digging on the robot. Um, and if I had to pick one sort of big-picture reason why that's my favorite system, I think it's one that's both very unique to how our team approaches this competition and it's one that's seen a lot of revision and improvement and, and has really become a very compelling solution. Um, so the, it's a system that can dig very aggressively, can dig to an unprecedented depth. Sort of, for, for several years we've come to competitions with a system that really looked radically different from what everyone else was trying. And um, if that's not innovation, providing it works, I don't yes. know what is. Um, and it's something that I think we were trying to really push the envelope of what was possible in this competition even before it was fully incentivized by the rules. Uh, and we, uh, we happened to come across a pretty, a major, Uh, A major success for us, actually, was that this most recent round of competition that the robot we're speaking about competed in, there was a notable rule change where this lower layer of gravel underneath this main layer of sort of a sandy material became the only material actually worth points. Uh, So because of this, uh, suddenly something that we've been trying that seemed we were pushing the envelope, trying something crazy just to see if it could work and try and uh, act in the spirit of the competition suddenly it was the only way that you could score a point. So we we were effectively two to three years ahead of what the judges decided. Awesome, we make our own breaks, nice work. And
0: were you able to build everything here? I mean, just looking at it, there must have been fabricating, prototyping, um, soldering. Is that
1: all done right here? So fabrication is definitely had ThinkBox played a major role in our ability to fabricate this robot. Uh, Not everything was made here. So some components, especially one example is for the wheels you see on the robot, Many of those components were water jet. How that ended up working for us is because we had the water jet locally here at ThinkBox, we were able to make a prototype basically, you know, a, a flight of stairs down from our bay. So we made a first prototype wheel, made sure we designed everything correctly, put it together, got a feel for it. And then from there, we were lucky enough to have one of our sponsors, WardJet, here in Akron, Ohio. Uh, after we'd sort of established a prototype, sort of in the intent of ThinkBox, we were then able to take it out to a sponsor who was then to do the rest of the fabrication for us for free. And we did the final assembly back here in ThinkBox. Cool. Again.
0: The club has sponsors. We do,
1: yeah. Wow,
0: ThinkBox yeah, Radio that's is looking for sponsors. <laughs> Alex, we're going to give that you. guy a call. All right.
1: I, other things, too. Some other, some other things. A lot of it was made on campus, if not made directly here in ThinkBox. Um, so some of the parts were made on various CNC machines. So many aluminum components were made either using um, a student-accessible CNC mill on campus, uh, and we also are kind enough to have the support of our advisor, who is a member, Dr. Richard Bachman, uh, who's a member of the bio Robotics Laboratory. So they also have a CNC mill and have allowed us to use it. So we have some, some good resources for fabrication.
2: Thinkbox Radio is brought to you by the Case Alumni Association, which represents the engineering, science, and math graduates of Case Western Reserve University. We're the oldest independent alumni association of engineering and applied science graduates in America. Have you heard of us? If not, you've heard of our graduates. Case grads include Henry Dow, the founder of Dow Chemical, Frank Rudy, the inventor of Nike AirSol, Paul Buchheit, the creator of Gmail, and Jeanette Griselli brown the first female director of corporate research at BP America. At CASE, we're proud of our spirit of discovery and innovation, which is why we support ThinkBox, the world-class innovation center at the CASE School of Engineering. You guys mm-hmm. have some
0: tremendous resources you tap. That must be really cool if you are into engineering, into robotics. And that's what I want to talk to you about next. So robotics is booming on college campuses. High school campuses, too. I was telling Andrea, my, my kid who's a freshman can't even get into the robotics club. They meet every day. It, it's like a sport now. Um, I'm wondering what drew you guys to it and what draws you back um, andrea, you you told one of our writers once that when you build something and it actually works and goes on to actually do well in competition, it's addictive. Can you remember a time when you first felt that and yeah. said this is what I'm getting yeah into?
2: well, I mean I can think of a really great example from my freshman year when that was actually it was my first time ever building a robot being on a robotics team, and so I was building I was working on a robot that uh, had to uh, navigate a maze without touching any of the walls. And so we ran into an issue with some of our sensors where um, if we were uh, telling if the issue was is that you could only use one sensor at a time if you were running uh, controls for the sensor off of a microcontroller. Uh, and that was slowing us way down in terms of response time because if you have this robot would have eight sensors on it ideally. And if you try and, uh, sample each sensor one at a time, you're going to run into a wall because you didn't check the right sensor at the right time. Um, and so one of the solutions that we came up with was actually, uh, this really innovative, uh, custom circuit that, uh, allowed us to check all of the sensors at once and, um, save time so that we we weren't running into walls and we weren't having any timing issues. Um, and like watching that be designed and put together and just kind of starting to have a role in that process where you see an issue that you're gonna have on a robot and you can come up with a system that's going to fix that problem. Um, and then actually seeing it work really well. I mean, after we put this thing together, we had no problems that with, is cool. yeah. And so that was that was really addictive because you, you realize that yeah you're going to run in, robots are complicated you run into a lot of problems when you're trying to design them but you can find solutions for those problems and you can make something that does its job really well and that's just a really satisfying feeling
0: it sounds like it Reese what brought you into this crazy game
1: so i've been i've been building robots for a long time now i think i do a quick tally in my head here i've been building robots for more than 8 years i started so, man, way back I started, I had one of the original Lego robotics kits. I think I, I got that as a present from my grandparents. Um, and it wasn't too long before suddenly I had that kit kind of uh, hacked open and was using sensors that weren't officially supported. And All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely... Get ready I for college. The, ha- they sort of, the hacker, the maker part of that, that really got me started at a young age. Um, soon after that, I started um, grouping up with some friends that had similar interests And joined them uh, in other competitions. So I did some sort of middle school age underwater robotics. And then following that, I think what really cemented my interest in robotics and and sort of what this is all about um, was the first program. So the first robotics challenge um, is a a really big high school level national program that uh, really was a great experience for me. So I I did that for four years. um, And that was, you know, in terms of learning things, in terms of seeing just how supportive and crazy and cool a robotics community can be, I, I think the FRC program really embodied that. So when I came to CASE, um, I definitely, one of the first things I looked for was a robotics team on campus. Um, and I was thrilled to find one already. And I was also really excited to help bring what I saw as the potential for why, why I thought robotics was cool. I was really excited to be a part of that and help make continue to make that possible at CASE. And I, as Andrea mentioned, you know the idea that Having a successful robot and having something you designed work is addictive. Yeah, I it, I can almost compare it to, you know, watching your kid get a good, you know, come back, <laughs> be thrilled that they got a good grade on a paper uh-huh. or you know do really well in their soccer game. It, <laughs> yeah. It's really it's that visceral uh, for me anyway.
0: Enrique, you did it! You did it! Absolutely! <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and we give the,
1: we give these robots personality and a name. And it really is something that it's in, in the same way that a kid, in some sense, is an extension of yourself. All right. that's good. I love that because this yeah. takes us
0: to a one more robot I want to touch. This is the Brute. This is a much smaller robot. I'd say it's about the size of a um, a video box you'd have on top of your television. But it looks solid. It's red. It's squat. And it won the combat robot competition? Mm-hmm.
1: Out of the National Robotics Challenge. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, so this, this robot... Um, this robot uh, is a, a six-pound combat robot. Um, and so it's, uh, it's really, it's heavily armored. You know, it's got like really solid metal sides and it actually has it has its wheels uh, sticking out on both sides, um, which is actually a protective measure so that if it gets flipped over, it can still drive. Um, and then it has this uh, big solid uh, metal cylinder uh, right in the front with these uh, bolts sticking out of it. Um, and so that's actually, that's its weapon. Um, and so, what happens is there's a motor inside, a really strong motor that spins that uh, cylinder up and uh, gets everything going real fast so that if a robot comes in contact with that weapon, um, it, it really gets shredded. It's really good at shredding electronics, um, like banging other robots around, so getting them to go flying <laughs> in the other direction. And I understand yeah.
0: a special ability, it can work upside down.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's a. That's so why the, was
0: that important?
2: So that's really important. A lot of the robots that you can see in combat uh, competitions are robots. The the way they attack other robots is they flip them upside down. And the idea is that their goal is to flip a robot upside down. And if the robot's upside down, it can't do anything. It can't attack. It can't drive. It's helpless. Uh, Exactly. It's helpless upside down, but our robot isn't helpless upside down. Um, because, you know, its wheels are sticking out on both sides. Uh, it can drive just as easily Brilliant. one side or the other.
0: Brilliant. Did you fool some people with that?
1: I'd say so. And it's really, you know, it's pretty remarkable, these competitions, too. It's not intuitive from looking at this little six-pound robot. But that spinning cylinder that it's weapon is actually an incredible energy storage device. Physics yeah, is, the is awesome. Yeah, the spinning
0: cylinder in the back right. and it's got these mean-looking bolts coming out right? of it. Yeah. And I- you can
1: store, you know, th- the force when one of these spinning weapons hits and goes from spinning at thousands of RPM to standstill the enemy robot, the robot that gets hit will actually fly several feet in the air and flip over. <laughs> um, so being able... Abs- it's you know, all for education. All yeah. for education. <laughs> no, And, you know, that is physics in action, which is, you know, part of why we love this. But so in the off chance, you know, it's like flipping a coin. And if you flip on your back and can't drive, you're dead in the water. Um, but not us. But not us. So it's, it's an important feature of this robot. Oh for sure.
0: my. Well, I tell you, I mean I'm struck by the number of the skills and the thought that goes into a robot. And I was looking at your website and the different technical skills you teach to your members. You always have new members coming in. CAD modeling, circuit design, programming, manufacturing. How do you do all this? do do people come in with these skills and then share them, or do people come in not knowing anything? Or I mean, what are you looking for? I
2: would say that it's definitely a combination of both. I mean some people do come in with a lot of skills already. I mean, like they're maybe they're like Reese and they've done robotics for years before they've gotten here. or I mean, maybe they're like me and they've never touched a robot before and they're just really ready to learn. Um, and so we, the way we do this is a lot of the times what happens is you come in, maybe you don't know a lot, maybe maybe you know a lot of things, but Uh, we will try and teach you from the level you're at uh, the skills that you need to make a robot in whatever field you're interested in maybe you really want to work on the control of a robot and so you really want to do the software Um, or maybe you are really uh, intrigued by the mechanical design and you want to learn more about how to model these things and some of the force problems you might run into Um, and so we meet you at whatever level you're at and try and teach you that and then uh most of our members like in a couple years then they give that back they teach the new members um what they've learned uh in the club and kind of really keep that process going
1: yeah we definitely try and maintain the idea that you know you have a legacy i think or like you have a legacy in this (laughs) team and really every member does you know when you come in as, as a new member and someone teaches you something um you know ideally what we'd love to see is then those people one or two years later take the lead and help pass that down to the next generation because that's really how these you know, every member on this club only has four years to have an impact. Um, but the way that impact can really live past you is working with the next generation of students, you know, be they freshmen, whoever's coming in. Yeah. Um, well, I
0: mean, I know the alumni love the club and um, the kids too. I was struck by that the kids at the at the innovation showcase at homecoming, mm-hmm. they all went to the robotics table. You know, yeah, they all no, wanted we to do, see.
2: We do a lot of um, outreach with younger kids. And so they kids really love coming in and like kind of seeing how robots work and i know a lot of kids nowadays watch um battle bots and so they like to hear about the combat robot um and kind of the competitions that we do and the problems that we solve um they have a lot of great ideas for robot designs of their own which is always really exciting to hear because little little roboticists just you know figuring out these problems on their own
0: oh very cool
1: i consider it a personal mission to you know to make the things that myself, like that, that, when I was six, would have thought were awesome and like dragged my parents over like, I, I have to talk to these people. I, I hope that, you know, it's a personal mission of mine to be that person for kids that age now. So oh, it's really flattering. Good for you. Good cool. for you. You
0: Well, you guys are, are great role models and you're certainly taking robotics to another level here. Um, so as you know, in every episode of ThinkBox, we try to include a maker tip. So hopefully you can share something with our listeners, a tool or innovation you find handy here that they might be able to use as they make their own robots.
1: Sure. This one uh, actually is a little bit back to basics, but it's one that I remind myself of all the time and see the impact of all the time. Um, And that is don't be afraid to draw a picture. And when I say draw a picture, draw it on paper. You know, grab grab a piece of paper out of your printer. You know, it doesn't just come out of the printer. You can actually draw on it too, but... Grab a piece of paper, you know, grab your writing utensil of choice, and just start sketching. You know, one thing I hear from a lot of people is, "Well, I can't draw. I'm bad," a- and the truth is, at least when you're just when you're just thinking, you're just brainstorming. Yeah. If you know what your picture is, it doesn't matter. You it's not going to be hung in a gallery. It's just a way to get your ideas <laughs> right. on the page. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are, you know, there's all sorts of fantastic tools these days. Many of them free um, to develop ideas. You know, be that is that CAD software, is that various digital sketching software. There's you know, countless programs out there. Um, but computer, and computer-aided design is great, but I think it's important to have a bridge between just being able to sketch something out, you know, get an initial concept, and then translate that into CAD. Um, the uh, basics. I, the basics, exactly. Yeah. I've seen people... Hit Still a, important. Right, and especially if you see yourself hitting a roadblock, like if you've got a computer screen open and you're trying to model a robot or come up with a solution to something, or if you're just you know staring into an empty Google search bar and you don't know what to look for, take a step back, grab a sheet of paper, and I think... You know, nine times out of ten, suddenly the, the path opens up for me. So that's my recommendation. Thank
0: you. Thank you. That's Reese Hamlet, Andrea Norris, leaders of the Robotics Club at the Case School of Engineering. And that concludes another episode of ThinkBox Radio, stories from America's coolest college innovation center. I'm Robert Smith, your host. Our producer is Alex Zini. Thanks, and remember, if you can't fake it, make it.